Yo, what's going on, everyone? I am Tommy, and that is Gary. Bird is the word. Just a reminder to follow our Instagram at First Team All Podcast. Uh, shoot us some questions uh, you guys want answered. So, how was your week, G Money? Hey, man, I'm I'm still on the hustle. Ain't nothing changed. We got a we got a jam packed episode today, so we're just gonna get right into it. We're gonna talk some NBA basketball inside and outside of the bubble. Hockey's playoffs started, so we gotta go over that. And tomorrow is the big old UFC 252. Can't wait. So f- to start, we're going to talk some NBA news. Uh, coming out today was Chicago Bulls firing Jim Bolin. Um, for me, this was a must uh, if they wanted to move forward uh, for multiple issues. One, starting with the players didn't like him. He was not a player's coach. Uh, he had some major issues with Zach Levine. I don't know if you saw kind of that one that one dialogue when then Zach pulled up from about half court and hit the three and, and looked at him. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, he was like, he was like, man, I got, I got effing forty points. Like, what, what more do you want from me? Exactly. Uh, that's never what you want to see between your head coach and and your star player. No, and he also had issues utilizing star Laurie Marketing, which was weird because his rookie year he looked like he was really going to develop into something big, and they really struggled to to use him the correct way. I know he was injured a little bit, but to me, the issue stemmed with Jim Bolin, and I hope that they're able to kind of move forward because this Bulls team is just so young and talented. I think I think a new head coach could really help them develop and, and become a playoff team in the East for years to come. Yeah, man. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of a new head coach, who, who do you like to fill in that slot? I look at guys like Dave Yeager, Kenny Atkinson, uh, guys who can really develop these young guys and, and help them become better defensively, offensively, offensively and, and just, you know, become solid, a solid NBA team. Yeah, I know you were high on, on Dave when he was working with the Kings and, and how he was able to elevate those young guys' game. Maybe he can, he can do the same out in, out in Chicago. Yeah, it would definitely be interesting to see. I know Kenny Atkinson's going to be a very uh, sought-after head coach this offseason after being let go by the Nets for mysterious reasons. Uh, they did nothing but, <laughs> nothing but outperform over there in Brooklyn, and I had to have been some Kyrie, KD, didn't like the situation or something along the lines of that. But I think, I think either would be solid options for any team, really, but for the Bulls specifically. Uh, I like the take, and it, it was interesting, the quote-unquote mysterious reasons. I, I don't think we'll ever get a, a sure answer, but I, I think we can conclude what, what it really was. But uh, going from, going from uh, head coaches, looking forward to, to the draft. I know it's real. Real early on the draft, all the all the slots haven't been picked out yet, but we know, uh, we know the you know the first three probably. Who do you think's going number one? I mean, for me, this is easy. I, I look at a guy like Lamelo Ball. Been watching him since he was a freshman in high school. A lot of people don't necessarily agree with that, but as someone who's been watching him game in game out for years now, I think he's got a very very special game, very special talent. Uh, Along, along the likes of maybe like a Magic Johnson. I mean, obviously the size isn't necessarily there yet, as far as as far as weight. I mean, the dude's six six seven, but he can really perform and do things that uh, most guys can't. So I, for me, I think it's an easy shot. You you got to go for someone like Melo with that number one pick. So you think regardless who takes who takes the the first pick, they go Melo. You know, regardless of, of who's on their roster at that position. Well, I mean, we could dive into like the first six or seven picks or something along the lines of that, and kind of look at. Um, who we think each team will take based off the scenario. I what mean, picks? obviously, yeah. 
obviously this new lottery system gives uh, more teams a better chance to move up, but I mean that could also hurt teams like the Warriors who who are supposed to be getting the first pick if you base it off old odds. Right, that would be that would be weird with them having the first pick if if everyone thinks Melo's Melo should be number one. You know, what do the what do the Warriors do with obviously having Steph and Clay? That would be a, an interesting interesting thing to see. Yeah, so I think if the Warriors were to to get the first pick, I think personally I think they're going to look to trade out of their first pick, especially if it's something solid. Maybe maybe go after a Bradley Beal, uh, a Giannis. I mean, anyone that they can get their hands on that'll elevate them for the next instant three years um personally i hope they fall out of a top pick i i don't want to see them getting any extra talent i don't think they need it and you know as a king's fan and out in the west all these tights are all these spots are tight and i don't want to see them have any leverage uh moving forward but if they do get the one i think it's safe to say that would probably be someone like james wiseman uh as a keeper option for them at the center position i think that's probably their weakest spot uh, especially adding someone like like Wiggins. So I think looking at James Wiseman to keep out of Memphis, I think that'd be a solid selection for them. And as far as trade bait, uh, you could look at them, maybe trading Anthony Edwards or, or Mellow Ball at that one spot. I like it. I like it. And, you know, another team who who stacked at the guard spot would be the Cavs. If they would happen to get, get the one, what do you think they would do? You think they would get ball and just trade him or, or, or what are you, what are you looking at there? That's tough. I mean, if Paul is available at two, I couldn't see them passing up on him. I feel like they'd be more inclined to move on and maybe trade the likes of Garland. I don't see them moving on from Sexton quite yet, so I, I would maybe go Darius Garland as, as a trade option if if they wanted to take Melo. Um, they also lack kind of at that small forward, shoot, small forward shooting guard spot. So if Anthony Edwards isn't taken with that first pick and, and they don't want to go to Melo, that could be someone that they're interested in to uh, fill the shooting guard slot for them. I like it. What about uh, what about the Timberwolves? What's your thoughts there? See the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves are looking good with the the new acquisition of D'Angelo Russell. I mean, they now have a dynamic duo, which, as we've seen in the past years of the NBA, that's very important for a franchise. Um, I think they're looking for a, a three four, a dynamic three four to kind of fill that spot and, and kind of push them to the next level. I could see a guy like Obi Toppin out of Dayton. Um, very, very good at stretching the floor. He could hit the three, really good in transition. I think he'd be a solid addition to that roster. I like it. Lastly, what about the Hawks? What do you think and they the would ha- do? The Hawks. The Hawks are scary. I thought they were going to be better than they were this year, adding Cam Reddish and uh, DeAndre Hunter. Um, obviously, they're one of the youngest teams. They have amazing talent down the lineup. Um, when you look at their, their young depth, I think someone like Isaiah uh, Okoro can really be a great defensive addition in the backcourt with Trey, uh, just based off the fact that, you know, Trey does lack in size. I mean, his offensive output is undeniable, and he needs to be out uh, on the court as much as possible. So maybe adding someone who who can kind of fill the defensive void uh, for the backcourt to guard the likes of a Damian Lillard or, or any solid guard on the other team would be a, a solid pick for them. So what about, what about the Pistons? I know they had to kind of shake up towards the end of the season, trading away Drummond. Yeah, so – Speaking about getting rid of Drummond, I think they need to look here to uh, fill that center position. And Aneka uh, Okongo from USC, he played with Lamelo Ball and Lonzo Ball in high school. Can't forget Jello, sorry. Uh, he's only six nine, but he's got a, a long seven foot wingspan, and, and he's actually a stud. When you look back at those Chino Hill uh, Chino Hills teams, he was actually the guy that not a lot of people talked about. But I mean, from what I watched, he was a main reason why they were as good as they were. Uh, I think he could fit perfectly alongside someone like Blake Griffin. 
Um, I hope Blake could stay healthy moving forward and the Pistons could really build a, a, a strong front court. I, I do remember way back in the day, you were on the Gino Hill hype early. So if anyone's going to know – uh, you know who's who out of the Chino Hills. It's got to be you. So uh, I'll take you. I'll take your side on this one with with, with that pick out of USC. If they yeah, he's a, he, he's a special talent. So I I wouldn't be surprised if if he goes within the top five. And as the always questioning organization, the New York Knicks. If you're in charge of the New York Knicks, Tom, who who would you be looking to go for? I mean, I know there's been a lot of speculation about them getting a LaMelo ball. Um, obviously, right now, their odds are looking that they would be drafting in the sixth. Um, as far as the NBA draft goes, we know that there's maybe some sketchy stuff as far as business business size go. And oh. I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks were able to, you know, jump up and get a one or two pick. But I think if they aren't able to do that, I think they would look to trade up to get a guy like Melo to pair with RJ. Um, if that wasn't a decision that they decided to do um, and they're stuck at selecting at six, I could see someone like Tyrese uh, Halliburton from Iowa State. Um, he's a point guard who's been drawing a lot of uh, Shea Gilgis comparisons, and I think he'd be a really solid back uh, backcourt mate for RJ. I like it. I know you're, you're high on Shea, so we'll see if, if the future same for Tyrese. And uh, if we're, if we're going to talk draft picks, I, I got to ask you about your Kings. I know you wish you were front office man at the Kings right now. So if, if Tom's if Tom's charged the Kings front office, where, where is he going? Yeah, man. So obviously with us missing the playoffs, almost guarantees us a, a lottery pick. I would love to see us get another chance to uh, move up in the lottery and maybe get lucky and, and get another selection like we did with Marvin. Um, really, I would love for the Kings to look at maybe drafting a backup point guard, a six-man level type player. Um, if that wasn't available at whatever slot we are drafting at, I would love to see them maybe make a package deal with that pick and, and maybe someone, Corey Joe or, or someone off the bench, and maybe try and go get someone like Dennis Schroeder. I think Dennis Schroeder for the Kings could really push them in the right direction as far as having someone off the bench, being able to facilitate, and and also to play alongside Fox. I think that would be a solid solid backcourt. I really like Dennis Schroeder, and I think that he could uh, elevate this Kings team. Love the take. Love the take. Love Dennis Schroeder. I think that'd be a good piece to add to the Kings. Moving from draft picks to, you know, every time we've been talking about the eighth seed play in news, what do you, what do you want to start off with talking about the eight seed stuff? I mean, I know over the past couple past couple of weeks we've been talking about it, and a situation that we did talk about came to fruition when the Orlando, yeah, the Orlando Bubble Suns finished 8-0 but weren't able to get into that playing game. Oh, man, that hurts. That hurts to just hear from a a fan's perspective, watching a team like that just perform so well, and it still wasn't enough. You know, they did everything they could, and and to still not get it done really really is hard to watch. Yeah, man, I'm I'm upset. I really wanted to see Devin Booker in this playing game. He's been balling, balling, balling all eight games, and uh, I feel like we were robbed of an amazing matchup between the Suns and Portland. Uh, I I personally think the tiebreakers should have been decided based off the bubble play. I mean, at the end of the day, we want to see the hottest teams uh, play, and the Suns proved they were easily one of them. Uh, where Memphis really struggled to even hold on to a spot in the play-in, and I honestly, if Giannis didn't get suspended for the headbutt on uh, Maurice Wagner, uh, I think we probably would have seen them beat Memphis, and Memphis would have been out. But I I mean, I gotta give respect to Jaw. I mean, I, I believe you're high on him based off of what you said about him being rookie of the year. Any thoughts on that? I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was hard to see how they performed, but uh, I mean, Ja, I, I think is the real deal, and and I think he's he's a shoe in for for rookie of the year. 
Um, I mean, I do agree that it would have been nice if they kind of changed the format of, of how they decided the tiebreakers. Cause I do agree with the, with how long of a layover it was like a totally new season and it would be nice to see if they just focused on how teams clicked and how they performed coming back from the bubble as uh, opposed to what they did of using some pre bubble um, tiebreaker deci- decisions that they, that they did. But I think regardless, we're, you know, you know, it's going to happen. Whoever makes it to the eighth seed when they run into the one seed, the Lakers, but an extra two exciting games would have been nice to see uh, if it was, if it was Suns in Portland as opposed to Memphis in Portland. Yeah, man. So this Grizzly team is good and, and you got to give respects to John. I think he will win rookie of the year, but for me right now, I think the hype on him is a, is a little overhyped. I think this Memphis team does have potential, but I'm not necessarily buying the fact that they deserve to be a playoff team or even in this playoff uh, playing game. Um, I believe Portland, you know, solid playoff team is going to exploit that. And I think we can expect a substantial victory for Portland uh, Saturday night. So substantial, what are we talking? Let's just say 15 points. You think they're going to win by more or less than 15? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see a 15 point victory. Wow. Okay, we'll have to we'll have to look forward to that when when we come back from the weekend. We'll see if you see if that's a good choice from you or if I'm going to rag on you for that prediction. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm pretty confident. I think Dave is on a mission, and I mean, if I'm the Lakers at the one seed right now, I might be getting a little nervous. I, I know I said this is LeBron's year, and I still believe that. But uh, after watching my guy Dame just hoop these last three games. I, I'm a little nervous for this Lakers team, and I know we previously discussed that the Lakers don't have anyone to guard either Dame or CJ, so this could get ex- extremely uh, sketchy for LA. I mean, come on. W- w- extremely sketchy, what are we talking? The Lakers lose two games instead of instead of one, like I said earlier. Like, What are you talking about? Like, how nervous are they going to be for this first-round matchup? I mean, you tell me, who do the Lakers have to guard guard Damian Lillard? Like, let's, let's just not even talk about CJ. We know what he can do, 20-plus a night baller get a shot create shots but who can guard Damian Lillard on this on this Lakers team I mean <laughs> I mean look at it and, and, I mean no one was really gonna stop it but I, I feel like there's no guard in the NBA who's really gonna stop Dame so I, mean, I feel like you know what you're gonna get from him I just don't know if everyone else around him is gonna be able to make up for just how consistent the Lakers are gonna be or top to bottom yeah I mean, I hear you there. My my biggest thing is just, like, you don't see players kind of get into this rhythm and, and this mode very often. I think you see it sometimes with LeBron. Um, really, I can't even really put, put kind of another level as far as what Dame's on, as far as other players reaching this kind of level and mode. I'm, I'm just going to be honest, man. If I'm the Lakers, I'm a little worried. Obviously, if you're the Lakers, you're definitely rooting for the Grizzlies um, in these games. And, and just to go in more depth for this eight-seed play on games. I don't know if you want to talk about them a little bit. Yeah, so uh, Portland and Memphis are going to be playing this Saturday at 1130. Uh, since Portland did take the eight seed from Memphis, they only need to win one game. Uh, if they lose the first, then it goes to a second game. So Memphis would basically have to win back-to-back. And as long as Portland wins either the first game or, or the second game, if it does have to go to it, then they're in. So the odds are kind of really stacked in Portland's favor for, for being able to overtake them and take that eight seed. Uh, so that's why, I mean, I, I think it's kind of a shoo that they're going to get it done. I don't see Portland losing back-to-back games to an ailing Memphis team. Yeah, expecting Memphis to come in tomorrow night, win, and then wake up Sunday and, and beat that same team again. I just think it's 
it's too much to ask, especially with the playoffs starting Monday. I just don't think they're going to be able to get that done. That that doesn't seem likely to me. Yeah, I think it'd be a totally different story if if they were totally healthy. I mean, maybe if they were totally healthy, they wouldn't have lost the nine seed to begin with. But um, I think it's personally pretty fair to, to say Portland's a shoe in to, to be able to play the Lakers in the first round. I agree 100%. And as far as NBA goes, that's all we got for you guys today. Uh, I'm just going to tell all of y'all about our first guest we're going to have on the show on Monday. We're going to be talking a lot of NBA playoffs. We're going to dive deep into some matchups, what we expect from each of the first rounds. But uh, moving on from NBA, we're going to go to the NHL. I know we haven't talked to NHL yet, but uh, with the playoffs upon us, I feel like we, we got to talk about it. So for you guys who either aren't, aren't tuned into to NHL or just aren't sure what's what's going on, uh, they did their own kind of bubble scenario where they did because uh, the playoffs hadn't started yet. They were still in the regular season. The top four teams in the East and West played each other in kind of a round robin to decide who's going to be one, two, three, and four. And then teams five through 12 um, played in a best of five series. So that means the five seed played the 12 seed, six and 11, seven, nine, uh, or seven, ten, eight, and nine uh, played each other, and then after that, the winners of those were reseeded. So the playoffs. Um, so that way, the one seed uh, played the the worst team at by by pre um, playoff rankings to make it to make it fair for them. So Tom, you want you want to go over some of the early early matchups and and how they fared? Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely not super knowledgeable on hockey. Um... I think it could be exciting, and, and it's definitely one of the more more talent-required sports. So if we want to look at the, the pre-playoff breakdown, um, the 5-seed Pittsburgh Penguins lost 3-1 to one to uh, the 12-seed Canadians. That was a big upset. It was, it was crazy to see. It actually happened in both the East and West. So uh, poor 5-seeded teams, I, 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 they were expecting to be able to get in, and both of them got, both of them got crushed. Then we had the uh, the six seed Hurricanes sweep the New York Rangers. That one's that one's kind of shocking, is it not? Uh, I mean, they they were they were expected to win being the six seed versus the eleven, but I think the Rangers were going to put up a much better uh, fight than, than getting swept. But uh, I, I personally figured the Hurricanes were going to be able to get it done. Okay, I, I thought I'd seen a lot of positives for the New York Rangers this season in the NHL. I mean, it's a New York team. They're always going to talk about New York teams and talk them up, just being the market that they're in. Um, you know, you know how that goes, big market teams. But uh, not not terribly surprised, honestly. Well, back on the New York teams, the seven seed New York Islanders beat the Florida Panthers three to one. So. New York, New York won't stay down for long when it comes to hockey. That's true. I mean, luckily with New York being such a big city, most sports they got at least two teams, whether it's football, basketball, or in this case, hockey. So New York will have always someone to cheer for uh, if they're if they're trying to have some state pride. So lastly, in the East, the nine seed Blue Jackets upset the eight seed Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll move into the West for you guys. I already said earlier that uh, 12-seed upsets happened twice. The 12-seeded Chicago Blackhawks upset the five-seeded Edmonton Oilers 3-1. Predators lost 3-1 against the Arizona Coyotes. So there's two big upsets, a five-seed and a six-seed out of the West lost. But the streak did not continue with the seven-seeded Canucks beating the Wild. And then lastly, the eight-seeded Flames beat the Winnipeg Jets 3-1. to 
And then after the reseeding, like I said that they were going to do, the number one seeded Vegas Golden Knights are going to go up against Chicago Blackhawks. The two seeded Avalanche are going up against the Wild. Three seeded Stars versus the Flames. And lastly in the West, the Blues versus the Canucks. Yeah, so one thing I'd like to talk about is the Vegas uh, Golden Knights. I feel like they've been extremely good as almost as soon as they got into Vegas, and I think that's pretty impressive. They've gotten a lot of support from Vegas, and I almost think that kind of opened the door for the Raiders to move to Vegas after seeing the support that they got. You know, that's interesting. I, I did not you know, think about the Raiders' decision based on how well Vegas adopted the Knights. I do know that there was a lot of support in Vegas. It might have been because they were as good as they were that people were like, oh, shoot, let's go watch a good team. Uh, it would have been interesting to see how well Vegas uh, adopted the Knights if they didn't play as good as they did their first season and as well as they've been playing since they moved there. Yeah, I think the Vegas Golden Knights are definitely the favorite out of the West this year. I would I would agree by that 100%. And moving into the East, we have the Flyers are going to go against the Canadians, uh, two-seeded Lightning against the Blue Jackets, three-seeded Capitals versus the Islanders, and lastly, the Bruins and Hurricanes. As the playoffs continue, we'll be sure to keep you guys updated on what's happening over there. And uh, lastly, we wanted to talk a little bit of UFC. We got a big UFC pay-per-view, UFC 252 this Saturday. What do you what do you like What do you like out of UFC 252, Tom? Yeah, so for the main event, we're seeing uh, Miotic defending his title against Daniel Cormier. Uh, it's actually the third fight. Uh, between the two of them. DC won the first fight, followed by Stipe winning the second fight. And uh, now it's all on the line for the third fight. And if what do you, what do you, what's your thoughts on the third fight here? Yeah, this, is, this has got a chance to be the greatest trilogy in UFC fighting history with just how exciting those first two fights were, and especially because DC won one and uh, Stipe won the second one. If this is as exciting as the first two has been, I think this might go down in history as the most exciting trilogy that uh, UFC has seen. Oh, that's a, that's a very strong take. That is a very strong take there. Hopefully um, it'll, it'll come to fruition and we'll get an exciting fight from then tonight or tomorrow night. I'm all, ab- I'm all about it. So uh, the uh, co-main event is Shook Show Sean O'Malley facing Marlon Vera. Uh, Sean O'Malley's 12-0 and 0 in his UFC career where Vera is 15-6-1. and 1. I personally think Sean is on his way to becoming the face of the UFC. I, wow. I think Dana White, yeah, I think Dana White really loves the kid, and I think uh, most UFC fans do as well, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to see uh, him grow into his own and, and become kind of the face of the UFC for years to come. Wow, talking about spicy takes. I'm talking about a greatest trilogy, and you're talking about the new face <laughs> the entire organization. I mean – I hope he wins. I hope he gets to keep continue kicking ass like he has been, like you said, 12-0. and 0. And, I mean, he's, he seems like a great personality, rocking the rainbow hair, uh, very easy to recognize. And, I, you know, I, I could see him moving into a major uh, role as far as the face of the organization. Yeah, I mean, he's only, he's only 25 years old. Um, like I said, undefeated. I mean, if you, if you want to see a striker, you need to go to YouTube right now and look up some Sean O'Malley clips. This dude, for, how, for his size, he can really hit in, in eight knockouts, I believe, out of his 12, 12 wins. I mean, I'm not going to say it's guaranteed, but I think that he's definitely looking at being the face moving forward. 
I mean, he's definitely put himself in a great position. And I mean, obviously, UFC fans love to watch entertaining fights. And as you alluded to with how many knockouts he has, I mean, even your casual fans love to see love to see someone get knocked out. So if you got someone like that who, who can really throw hands and, and, and deliver every time they're out, um, uh, you know, if he keeps moving the way he is with the trajectory, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe your your spicy take won't be too spicy after all. But uh, moving on a little bit lower in the card, we have fifth ranked Junior Dos Santos as a heavyweight. Uh, he's a former champion of the division, and he's going up against sixth ranked Rosenstrike. Uh, Dos Santos finishes seventy one percent of his fights by KO, and Rosenstrike ninety percent. So I think you can expect a very exciting finish. I know I said UFC fans and just fans in general love to watch a knockout. I think we're going to get that from this fight here. Yeah, that's that's the fight you like to see dudes just just throw haymakers, <laughs> try trying to land that one strike that'll win him a fight. I think a lot of people like to see that. Some people get caught up in in ground play and stuff like that. And I know to the casual, that's not the most entertaining thing to watch. So if you are a casual, I definitely think this is a fight you should tune into. Um, I, I think it should be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with big heavyweights. I mean, all it really does take is one punch to do it. So it, it kind of forces you to pay a lot more attention to what's going on. I mean, as someone like me, who, who's a little bit bigger fan of the UFC, I can enjoy some of the more technical uh, groundwork or, or clinch stuff. But when you got two dudes who are just going to throw, it keeps you on the edge of your seat just to hopefully not miss that one punch that finishes the fight. Yeah, so that's all we got for UFC, but since it is Friday, you know we're coming with some weekend suggestions. Uh, For me, I'm going to suggest everyone go listen to Isaiah Rashad. Um, We haven't gotten an album from him since 2016, but this dude is goaded. Very unique sound. Um, Very excited. Hopeful that we'll get an album uh, towards the end of this year. No guarantees, but I'm excited to uh, hear more from him, and I definitely think you guys should go give him a listen. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. I do have to say he did drop his single, Why Worry, earlier this year. I know he wasn't the only uh, TDE artist to drop just a single, so maybe it was just like, hey, we're trying to make our name relevant, or maybe it's like, just give you a little sneak peek of what we've got moving on in this year. So I would love to see an album from him. As you alluded to, it's been four years and counting. But for me, my recommendation, I got to go back to the old school. It's got to be Most Def, or who, who now goes by Yasin Bey's 1999 album, Black on Both Sides. So that's, that's what I got for you guys. Wanted to say thank you to everyone listening today. I'm excited to announce, we alluded earlier, we're going to have our first guest. It is going to be none other than the man, the myth, the meme legend, Spicy Boy Ashton. Tune back in Monday for a, a weekend recap of sports, NBA playoff dissection. We're going to go further in depth. Thank you guys for listening. Peace.